Lord and Savior Jesus Christ heals the sick in Gennesaret. However, before we get to Gennesaret, let me quick get you all called up this morning concerning how exactly we got to this point in the text. So all the way back at the beginning of Mark chapter 6, Jesus Christ sent out his 12 apostles two by two throughout the towns of Galilee, where they then proceeded to preach a message of repentance, to cast out demons, and to heal even that of the sick. Nevertheless, after concluding this mission in Galilee, Jesus' apostles then, they returned back to Jesus Christ. However, because of all the wear and tear of their ministry during this time, Jesus Christ then said to them in verse 31 that they are to go to a desolate place in order to get some rest. But as they were attempting to do this church, a crowd then saw them going to this aforementioned desolate place in a boat and actually followed them there on foot, which led to Jesus Christ not getting mad at them here, church, but instead showing compassion to them here, church, and ultimately teaching them here, church, the very word of God. Nevertheless, as it grew later in the day, Jesus' apostles then, they came to Jesus Christ and said to him that he should send this crowd away in order so that they could get something to eat, since they were all located in a desolate place. To which Jesus Christ then He did not send this crowd away, but instead, even with five loaves of bread and that of two fish, he actually fed the crowd on this day by miraculously multiplying this bread and this fish to the point that day, some 5,000 men who were in attendance on this day, verse 42, all ate and were satisfied, thus displaying a beautiful picture here, church, of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd of the sheep, as the bread of life, and as the greater Moses who has come into this world to meet the needs of his people, care for them abundantly, and to give to them true and complete and perfect satisfaction in his eternal kingdom and at his heavenly table forever and ever and ever. However, after all this took place, Jesus' apostles then, they got into a boat and eventually then found themselves struggling against the wind on the Sea of Galilee. So much so that Jesus Christ then, who was actually located on the land at this time, he goes out to them, verse 48, quite literally, by walking on top of the sea. And yet, despite Jesus' apostles here, seeing Jesus Christ do what only God himself can do, and furthermore, in hearing Jesus Christ here, also declare to them, in essence, in verse 50, that he is truly God, due to their hardness of heart, Jesus' apostles then still cannot grasp at this time or understand at this time exactly who this Jesus Christ truly was. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. For Jesus Christ is patient and compassionate toward his people, even when they lack a perfect understanding of him. Therefore, let us be sure, Christian, to do the same to our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. For Jesus Christ is patient 
and compassionate toward his people, even when they lack a perfect understanding of him. Therefore, let us be sure, Christian, to do the same to our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Therefore, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Mark chapter 6, verses 53 through 56. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are located in the chairs in front of you this morning. Because we truly do, as a church body, not only want you to have your very own copy of the Word of God, but we also then want you reading your very own copy of the Word of God as well. Starting today by turning your brand new Bible to page 842, and by joining us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, church, we will be wrapping up Mark chapter 6 this morning, looking specifically today at verses 53 through 56, where John Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts this morning, that you open our eyes this morning, open our ears this morning, so that we can begin to see and perceive and to grasp this morning the patience that you have with us as your children and the compassion that you have shown to us. Father, so often you have displayed to us your way. You have given us your word. You have given us your commandments, your precepts. And yet how often, Father, do we neglect these precepts? Do we turn away from your law? Are we obstinate towards you and are disobedient to you? And yet you have not given, us, given up on us as your children. Father, help us to see this morning as we understand our own fallenness and depravity and the wrath that we deserve, Lord, help us to see the perfect patience of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the compassion that he shows to his people. And Father, I pray that you help this morning my lisping and stammering tongue to communicate this message to your people this morning in a way that honor and glorifies you. Father, I pray that you send your Spirit so that we can see what you want us to see this morning in your word. And Lord, that I am faithful to give this dear flock, these wonderful sheep, this precious body here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church of York, the message that they need to hear this morning. And Father, I pray that I am confident in the message this morning because this is your infallible and perfect and inerrant and sufficient word that you have given us. Do this wonderful work, we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. 
Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. For Jesus Christ is patient and compassionate toward his people, even when they lack a perfect understanding of him. For Jesus Christ is patient and compassionate toward his people, even when they lack a perfect understanding of him. Verses 53 through 55, which reads, When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. So after Jesus Christ walked on water, declared that he was divine, got into the boat with his apostles, and ultimately then calmed the winds that were causing them so much trouble, Jesus Christ and his apostles then finally crossed over the Sea of Galilee and came to the land at Gennesaret, where, verse 53, they moored to the shore, a.k.a. where they brought their boat to the shore and, in essence, anchored it there. However, if you were paying close attention to the sermon last week, church, which I know you all were, then you would have noticed that when Jesus Christ made his apostles get into this boat after he fed the 5,000, that they were to go before him, verse 45, to Bethsaida and not to that of Gennesaret. And thus, what exactly has happened here, church? For was Jesus Christ mistaken here, or wrong here, or not divine, or omniscient, or all-knowing here, whereas he made a mistake as to where they were all going here? And the answer to all of those questions is, of course not. And although John Mark does not give us the answer as to why Jesus Christ and his apostles here ended up at Gennesaret instead of Bethsaida, I think it's safe to assume that those powerful winds that we read about in verse 48 actually knocked them here off course. However, make no mistake about it, church, because they, Jesus and his apostles here, end up being providentially and sovereignly exactly where Jesus Christ wants them to be at this specific time. And it's a place, church, as we see in verse 54, where the people here immediately recognize Jesus Christ likely due to the fact that the people of Gennesaret actually lived right by that of Capernaum and thus would have likely heard, church, all about the miracles done by Jesus Christ in Capernaum and about all the wondrous works done by Jesus Christ in Capernaum and especially about all the healings done by Jesus Christ and Capernaum as well. Therefore, when Jesus Christ then just kind of shows up here unannounced in Gennesaret, the People then here, church, verse 55, simply begin running about the whole region and bringing their sick on beds to wherever they heard that Jesus Christ was at. I mean, in essence, you have a scene here, church, where the people of Gennesaret see Jesus Christ just show up unannounced, and then, quite frankly, then the region here just absolutely explodes with excitement, whereas people then were quite literally running about, getting their sick, and urgently bringing them on mats and on beds and on wooden pallets to wherever they heard that Jesus Christ was located. And to be honest, church, 
This really was a similar scene to that of Mark chapter 1, when the whole city of Capernaum brought their sick to Jesus Christ. And even to that of Mark chapter 3, when the crowds from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and even from beyond the Jordan came out to see and to touch that of Jesus Christ as well. And thus being that we have already seen, in essence, this kind of similar scene before, what I want to focus on then this morning, or point your attention to this morning, specifically from our text today, is the patience that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ displays to his apostles here. And I say that because, if you can remember, church, all the way back to last week, that after Jesus Christ fed the 5,000, walked on water, declared himself to be divine, and even then calmed that of the storm, Jesus' apostles then, they still did not grasp at this time or understand at this time or realize or recognize or comprehend completely at this time that Jesus Christ was truly God because, verse 52, their hearts were hardened. And yet, despite all of that, church, Jesus Christ then, he didn't get angry with them all here, or frustrated with them all here, or annoyed, or irritated, or agitated with them all here, to the point that he begins to think that it's now time to cut the cord with them all here, and to give the boot to them all here, and to fire, replace, and to get rid of them all here. But instead, Jesus Christ, with such patience, and kindness, and compassion, and grace, he instead, as David Garland points out, willingly begins to take his apostles' through this entire process again, through this entire process of where he displays his mighty works to his apostles again, so that they can see and understand the mind-boggling reality that God is really in their midst in the person of Jesus Christ, which should absolutely not come as a surprise to us here, church, since our Lord truly is, Psalm 103, merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Pastor Harry Reeder, he shared that on one Saturday morning, he and his wife were teaching their oldest daughter how to count, and that when she had mastered counting to ten, they then ventured to teach her to count to eleven. However, when they did, she forgot about the number ten. And that for over an hour, they sat there together, and the same little girl who had counted from one to ten over and over and over again now forgot how to do it properly when they added the number eleven. For it was now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven. And although this was just a trivial moment of sorts, hanging in there with her and working with her to overcome what was either stubbornness on her part or just part of the natural learning process, it required a lot of patience. Therefore, when we as Christians think about our own stubbornness toward God, and our own inability or refusal to learn the things of God, despite how many times God shows us the way, oh, how it should cause us, Christian, to marvel at the patience of our God and the riches of his forbearance and grace that he has displayed toward us as his children. 
And thus, if you are sitting there this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, frustrated that you do not know God as much as you'd like, or embarrassed by the fact that you do not understand the Word of God as much as you like, or even ashamed that you do not consistently walk in God's ways as much as you like, then what I want to remind you of this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, is that your God is a patient God, and a merciful God, and a kind and compassionate and long-suffering God, who has most definitely not left you, Christian, or given up on you, Christian, or thrown in the towel on you, Christian, simply because you are not where you think you should be at this time, Christian. And thus, let this text be an encouragement to your soul this morning, Christian, that despite all your past stubbornness and blindness, ignorance and defiance to the very things of God, that your God, Christian, who has had every reason to reject you, dismiss you, replace you, and to give up on you, that he has not but instead has remained faithful to you. In short, do not let the fact, Christian, that you are not where you want to be today in your Christian walk keep you from growing in Christ-likeness tomorrow. But instead, let it reveal to you just how patient and compassionate that your God has been to you. And then let it drive you, Christian, to no longer seek to take advantage of the patience of your Most High God, but to instead compel you to seek the will, the word, and the ways of your God, all so that you can become more mature and complete in your understanding of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Which brings us to point number two, which is this. For Jesus Christ is even patient and compassionate to those who do not possess a perfect theology, but who come to him in faith. For Jesus Christ is even patient and compassionate to those who do not possess a perfect theology, but who come to him in faith. Verse 56, which reads in, Wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So in essence, what we have here in our text today, church, is a summary statement of sorts of what Jesus Christ did while he was in Gennesaret. And thus, as we see in verse 56, wherever Jesus Christ went, whether that be villages or cities or even that of the countryside, they, the people of Gennesaret, would lay their sick, verse 56, in the marketplaces. To which you might be sitting there this morning thinking, for why on earth would these people lay their sick in the marketplaces? However, if you think about it, church, the marketplace during this time They were, in essence, a public meeting place of sorts where people would sell their goods, buy their food, and greet and see one another. And thus, because of that, as scholar Mark Lane points out here, when Jesus Christ then would visit these different villages and cities and countrysides, word about him coming would naturally then precede him, and all the people then would bring their sick to these marketplaces in anticipation of his arrival there. 
And consequently, when Jesus Christ then would finally arrive and pass by the sick who were located in the marketplaces at this time, they then, the sick, verse 56, would implore Jesus Christ to touch even the fringe of his garment, which would sound awfully familiar, church, to that of the hemorrhaging woman from Mark chapter 5 who, if you can remember, was a woman who had a chronic discharge of blood coming from her for 12 years, but who also believed that if she could touch even the garments of Jesus Christ, that she would be made well, which was a belief, church, as previously mentioned, that was likely based on some kind of superstition from the day. And yet, despite the fact that the people in our text today were also very likely mixed up with this same kind of superstition, still, as we then see in verse 56, as many as touched Jesus' garment were made well. Or as the NIV puts it, all who touched Jesus' garment were healed. Since, as one commentator writes, the power of faith is not found in its purity, but in its object. And in Trusting in Jesus Christ here, the people were made well. And thus, it was most definitely not your church, their superstitions that made them well. Nor was it the mere touching of Jesus' garment here that made them well. Nor was it even some kind of mystical magic here that made them well either. But instead, just as we saw from the healing of the hemorrhaging woman back in Mark chapter 5, it was their faith in Jesus Christ here, church, that ultimately made them well, no matter how small or how imperfect it may have been. And thus, let this text be a wonderful reminder to us all, church, that we do not need to wait for our theology to be perfect in order to go to Jesus Christ, or for our faith to be immensely strong in order to go to Jesus Christ, or for even the way of our lives to be perfectly refined in order to go to Jesus Christ, because if the true object of our faith, church, is that of Jesus Christ, then we can go confidently, make no mistake about it, to the throne of grace and seek the blessings of Jesus Christ, since Jesus Christ has always been faithful to care for those, church, who come to him in faith. And thus, as we begin to close, I want to begin with the non-Christian who is here first. A non-Christian, if you are sitting there this morning, looking at your past and thinking that there is no way that Jesus Christ could ever save you, or looking at your current ways of life and thinking that there is no way that Jesus Christ could ever spiritually make you well, well then lovingly, non-Christian, you are sorely mistaken, because despite all your stubbornness and hard-heartedness and defiance to the things of God, God, he is patient, non-Christian, and does not want you to perish this morning, non-Christian, but instead to come to faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you do indeed reach out in faith to the Son of God himself, to that of Jesus Christ, who came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man in order to live and to dwell amongst us and to save 
save us from our sins. And he did that for us, non-Christian, by initially living for us the life that we could never live. And that the law of God that we as sinners break over and over and over again each and every day, Jesus Christ, he never broke that law once, but instead lived a perfect and holy and sinless life here on earth, whereas he fulfilled then in its entirety the very law of God, non-Christian, for the very children of God. However, fulfilling the very law of God for the very children of God, that in and of itself was not all that the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished here on earth. And I say that because Jesus Christ also then, non-Christian, paid the price for our redemption. And that he, Jesus Christ, willingly, non-Christian, gave himself up on a cross at Calvary and died a sinner's death in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned. And because, non-Christian, Jesus Christ never sinned. And furthermore, because God the Father then accepted Jesus Christ as a perfect sacrifice on behalf of his children, Sin and death, then, non-Christian, quite literally, could not keep the sinless Son of God dead. And thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, then, he didn't stay dead, but instead he rose from the dead and triumphantly displayed to the world that he had defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and that he now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus. Christ, and today will be the day that you are forgiven of your sins and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, thus far in our text this morning, we have seen Jesus Christ be ever so patient with his hard-hearted apostles after they did not understand, despite all the evidence given to them, that Jesus Christ was truly God. And we've also seen in our text this morning, Jesus Christ be ever so compassionate toward those who came to him in faith even when their theology was not perfectly perfect or ideal or pure. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, what I'd like for each one of us to consider right now is this. For what is the level of patience and compassion that you display towards your brothers and your sisters in Christ, when they too might be lacking some understanding of Jesus Christ, or when their theology or their beliefs might not be perfect as well? And I bring all this up this morning, church, Because although the Word of God calls us, as Christians, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, 
and that we be patient with one another and bear one another in love, Ephesians chapter 4, and that we help the weak and be patient with all of them, 1 Thessalonians 5, and that we clothe ourselves with hearts of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, Colossians chapter 3, Far too often within evangelical America today, our practice as Christians is not that of patience or compassion toward one another, but instead it is that of impatience toward one another, or fits of anger toward one another, or dissensions toward one another, divisions toward one another, enmity toward one another, and even that of strife toward one another, to the point that when one Christian hears or sees another Christian say something or tweet something or write something that they believe is wrong or mistaken or not 100% theologically correct, far too often, church, their response is not to show compassion toward them or patience toward them or to lovingly try to seek and correct them, but instead it is to simply vilify them or to denounce them or to defame them, attack them or put some kind of nasty label onto them. And thus, when I hear and see and witness this kind of behavior, church, between brothers and sisters in Christ, for all I can think is, for that is not how you learned about Jesus Christ, since that is most definitely not the way of Jesus Christ. And thus, as we, as a church body then, here at Faith, Bible Fellowship Church of York continue to grow together in the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. We must, must, must be a church then that is patient with each other and that is compassionate toward each other as we grow up together in every way in Jesus Christ. All so that we do not fall into the trap church of labeling one another or creating rivalries between one another or tribes against one another or begin to look down on one another, but so that we instead as a church body can lovingly correct one another and teach one another and sharpen one another, encourage one another, reason with one another, and build each other up to the point that we all grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together, church. Therefore, be patient and compassionate toward one another, church, in all that you do, just as your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was patient and compassionate toward you. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body do not fall into the trap that is plaguing so much of American Christianity today where we become more zealous to denounce one another than we are to pray for one another or that we become more interested in condemning our brothers and sisters in Christ for their misunderstandings than we are to patiently work with and endure and to lovingly teach them. For, Father, you have been so patient and so compassionate toward us, even when we were so stubborn to your ways, obstinate to your ways, ignorant of your ways, and blind to your ways. And thus, let us truly see, as the children of God, just how patient and compassionate you truly were to us. And then let your Spirit, God, drive us to display that same type of patience and compassion to one another as well. For help us, Father, to teach with
with gentleness, to correct with compassion, to admonish in love, and to willingly endure each and every day for the sake of the elect as we as a church body grow together in our knowledge and love for your Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful reminder this morning. Patience and compassion. Father, we know from your word that Jesus Christ was perfect in his patience. And as we see what that looks like today, as he consistently displays his mighty works to his apostles over and over and over again until they finally grasp exactly who this man standing in front of them was, that he was the God-man, God incarnate, God in the flesh who came to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins. Father, let that text humble us and let it encourage us that as we see and become frustrated that we are not where we want to be at this time as Christians, let us understand that you have not given up on us, Father, but that you instead will continue to give us the grace we need so that we do not remain or become slothful, but that we continue to go on to maturity in the faith of Jesus Christ. Father, let your patience and your compassion comfort us. Let it motivate us. Let it drive us closer to you each and every day. And let it impact our actions toward one another. Let us not become haughty through understanding your patience and your compassion, but let us become more humble and meek as we seek to build up this body, as we grow in the faith together as a body. Jesus Christ, the head. And in all things, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings to our sister church. Thank you, brother. Somewhere up here are my notes for communion. Thank you, Alex. Teamwork. You know, after the pastor's sermon, uh, all the more so, There is no deeper, more sacred communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, than the Lord's table. That's what holds us together. Jesus. One body. This is why only those who are his disciples are invited to partake, because... 